I've been enjoying preaching this series uh, in the Beatitudes. I hope you have enjoyed uh, learning from it uh, as well. Uh, and remember that the Beatitudes are not meant for us just to understand, but it's for us to lift out. And I think they are so applicable, you can literally apply it week after week. And we build our core values you know, as the Lord directs us. So if you're ready, let's go now to Matthew chapter 5. I read again the entire Beatitudes for you so that you always keep the big picture in mind. Okay, so let's go now to Matthew chapter 5. I read for you from verse 1. Matthew 5, verse 1 onwards. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And this is what he taught them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now we have come up to that point last week, and I trust that even as we read it, a lot of things will be conjured up in your mind. A lot of the things that we talked about, a lot of things that you discuss in your connect groups, they will all come back to you. Okay, and, and again, remind us, this is who we are. Then we now move to what we're going to be looking at today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's bow. Father, I pray that, that this morning you will speak to us. Allow your word to become a source of not just instructions, but it will be illumination to our hearts. God, I pray that our eyes will be open to see the truth of what it means to be pure in heart so that we might see God. I commit this time of sharing to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, we come to one of the most profound of all the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I think our King Jesus was very, very specific in stating this beatitude because he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Not just blessed are the pure, but blessed are the pure in heart. Now, what does it mean to be pure in heart? I think the common understanding is that it's talking about a inward focus of God as, ex as opposed to the outward focus of the Pharisees. Now, we all know that the Pharisees are always concerned about external holiness and purity, but God was more concerned about what's going on in the heart. It is about being cleansed, not just from ceremonial defilement on the outside, but it's about being cleansed from moral defilement in the heart. And that's the focus of our, of our King Jesus as he inaugurated his kingdom. And I think this idea of it being opposed to the external righteousness versus inward is consistent with the teachings of Christ throughout the Gospels. For example, Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, Jesus said this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! 
You are like whitewashed tombs which looks beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, in the heart, you are just full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. And what is it Jesus talking about here in Matthew 23? He's talking about those who are righteous in their hearts and, and uh, who are righteous in their hearts and not just, uh, they're not just righteous on the outside, but righteous on the inside. Not just righteous with their hands, but also righteous in their hearts. They are right, not just in action, right in attitude as well. And Jesus is dealing here more with our thoughts, our motivations, our intentions. It's not just about doing the right things. It's about doing the right things for the right reason. How many of you amen that? Yeah, it's not just about doing what's right, but doing what's right for the right reason. And the heart here that he's talking about is really speaking of the inner man with all of his faculties, including the mind, the will, the emotions, the conscience. In other words, this is the control center of man, the heart, the inner man, your mind, your will, your emotions, your conscience, all these deep things. And he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the wise man says, above all else, guard your hearts for out of it flows the issues of life. Out of the heart, everything flows. So once the heart is defiled, everything is defiled. But there is another aspect, another dimension to pure in heart that has to do with our relationships with God and with people. Okay, it's not just about all the actions and the attitude, but it's also relational purity. There is a that dimension that has to do with our relationship, first towards God and then towards man. Psalms 24, the psalmist said in verse 3 and 4 in the New King James Version, listen to this one, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? That's a very poignant question, isn't it? Who can stand in his holy place? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Then he gave his own answer. The answer is this, he who has clean hands and pure hearts. Those with clean hands and pure hearts. And then he goes on to define what he means by that, by saying, who does not lift up his soul to an idol and who does not swear deceitfully. In other words, in his relationship with God and with man, there is no falsehood at all. Are you with me? That's what he's talking about. Before God, he does not lift up his soul to an idol. Before man, he does not deal deceitfully. That's what he's talking about here. In short, here is a man with authentic faith, real with, towards man, but true towards God. That's one of our culture pillars, by the way. Authentic in faith. My prayer is that every single member in FCC will become men and women who are authentic in our faith, real in our faith. Which means what? We are authentic with one another, real with one another, but we are true towards God. See? We, I am according to what God says I should be. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 now says, Blessed are the pure in heart. That's what he's talking about. But the question is this, huh? is it even possible to have such purity of heart? Now, this is where, let me bring you to this. It is, I want you to know that our hearts, your heart, your inner man, was once the source of all of our troubles. The heart is the source of all of our troubles because it is defiled by sin. 
Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the prophet Jeremiah describing the human condition said this, he said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? How many of you understand what he's talking about? That our heart is actually deceitful. And not only deceitful, it's the most deceitful of all. Above all, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things. And, and beyond that, he says, it is beyond cure. That means nothing you can do. It's impossible to turn it around. Why is this it's defiled by sin? Who can even understand it? Jesus put it this way. Out of that deceitful heart, Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, and these are what defiles a man. And everybody agree, right? Out of this deceitful heart, everything comes out, and everything that comes out is, is bad, it's evil, it's sinful. But the good news is this, brothers and sisters, the good news is, by the grace of God and the redemptive work of Christ on the cross of Calvary, you and I have been given a new heart. That old, deceitful, beyond cure heart is no longer here. We have exchanged it now for a new heart. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 15 to 17, talks about this. He says, the Holy Spirit testified to us about this. First he said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after that time. What time is that? After the cross. Because of the cross, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he said, their sins and their lawless act, I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know this. Through the cross, the impossible has become possible. That which is beyond cure has now been taken away. And we have been given a new heart. That which is deceitful has now been made pure. Now we are partakers of a new divine nature. You and I have a new heart in Christ. And interestingly, this word pure, when it is used in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, actually carries a connotation of becoming pure because of it being cleansed. In other words, you cannot clean your own heart. Somebody else has to do it for you. And Jesus did it on the cross. And today, we have a brand new heart that has been cleansed, made pure by the blood of the Lamb. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 is now possible. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. You don't look very excited. But I'm, I'm excited because that which is impossible with men it's now possible because of God. I have a new heart. You have a new heart. Okay, turn to your neighbor and just nudge the fella. Wake him up, by the way. And then say, you have a new heart. You do. We all have a new heart now. And that word pure, blessed are the pure in heart. The word pure is the Greek word kataros, which actually means this, free from corrupt desires, sin and guilt, devoid of anything false, freedom from defilement of the flesh and the world. This word pure actually have two basic meanings. Kataros has two basic meanings. One is clean, the other is unmixed. 
clean and unmixed. It is like pure milk that has no water inside. Okay? It's like pure jam with no preservatives. It's like gold that's been purified and then kept unmixed. See, it's pure gold. Okay? And the heart that is pure is therefore one that is unmixed one that is unadulterated, a heart that is single, if you like. It is a heart without division, without hypocrisy, without falsehood. What you see is what you get. It is authentic. It is not an act. It's like Coca-Cola would say, it's the real thing. Okay, it's the real thing. This is not an act. And when God saves us to the cross, He did not just clean us up, but He also is creating in us now a heart that is singer towards Him. Hallelujah. I like the way King David put it in Psalms 86 verse 11. Teach me your ways, O God, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart, a heart that is singer, a heart that is totally focused. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. King David is asking here for a pure heart, one that is undivided. Now, David may not have a sinless heart, but he had a single heart. Are you with me? He's not sinless, but he's single. He has one desire, which is to pursue God, a man after God's own heart. Jesus talked about this singleness of heart in his teachings later on in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 22 and 23. Listen to this one. The eye is the lamb of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And he says, no man can serve two masters. See, it's about singleness of heart. No man can serve two masters. Either he hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, both God and money. It's not you should not or you, you, you cannot. He's saying what? You cannot. It's not must not or should not. It's you cannot serve God and money. It's just an impossibility. And here Jesus is actually pointing to the fact that once the heart is pure, there'll be singleness of devotion, singleness of desire, singleness of direction. It's one way, no other way. One God, no other God. Having a divided heart will lead to divided allegiance. How many of you understand that? If you've got a divided heart, you will have divided allegiance. It's like, on my, in my heart, I want God, but at the same time, I want to be rich. I, in my heart, I want God, but at the same time, I want to be popular. You know, I, 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 my heart wants God, but at the same time, I want the pleasures of this world. And once you have that, you become divided. Your allegiance is no longer singular. Your life becomes very complicated. Every time you want to make a decision, you've got to think about this, you've got to think about that, and this, and that. You know, so many things. You become a very complicated person. But if you have one single heart, Nothing but God. Decision-making becomes easy. Every decision is just made on the basis of, I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All other things can then be added unto me. You see, and I think this singleness of heart is so important. You, we simply cannot serve two masters at the same time. You can't. You end up like the man wearing two watches. 
One watch says 1201, the other one says 1202. Which one do you believe? You are confused, man. Because you have divided allegiance. That's where the problem is. Once there is wholeheartedness, single-heartedness, then there is no room for spiritual adultery in our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God clearly. And this is what the Apostle James actually called all of us out for, you know, in James chapter 4, verse 4. Spiritual adultery. He's saying, listen to what he said in James 4, 4. You adulterous people. Who is he talking to? Talking to the church. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world has become an enemy of God. All of us have been bought, you know, with the price of the blood of Jesus and we belong to Him. God bought us with a price. We already belong to Him. Therefore, we cannot flirt with the world. The moment we do that, you're already married to Christ. He purchased you. Already. And then you flirt with the world. Then what have you become? We become an adulterous people, which is exactly what James is saying. You're adulterous people. See? And what's the only cure for spiritual adultery? How do you cure spiritual adultery? He goes on to say in verse 7 and 8, here's the cure. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's that link again, singleness of heart. We must come to this place, you know, like the beloved in Song of Songs. He said in Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 4, the beloved says, I have found the one that my heart loves. I held him and I would not let him go. There's singleness of heart. And brothers and sisters, you know what? All of us have found the one whom our heart loves. And we, what we need to do now, hold on to him tenaciously, refuse to let him go. Are you with me? And young people, I challenge you, hold on to God. Don't let him go, whatever. Don't. My heart has found the one that my heart loves, I will hold on to him and I will not let him go. Half-heartedness towards God is a terrible way to live. It is a heart that is divided. On one hand, we say we love God. On the other hand, we chase after the things of the flesh. On one hand, we say we love the word of God, but we won't even take time to read it. Something is not singular about that. You know, we said, we sing, you know, purify my heart. But at the same time, we just go on sinning. We claim to love God, but we don't obey Him. And too many live under this dark illusion, you know, that we can live a double life like that and still be close to God. <laughs> that is an illusion. It's a dark illusion. When we say to ourselves, I can do all these things. I can live this double life, but I'm still close to God. That's an illusion we need to break out from. The reality is this. To come close to God, you must come clean with God. And the good news is every time we come clean with God, He does not chase us away. He actually draws us near to Himself. And every time you come clean, God embraces you. He pulls you in. See, and if we have the courage this morning 
to come clean with God, I believe God can break into our life, do a new work in us, and then we can break free from whatever is idolatrous. And many believers live half-hearted lives and then we accept that as normal. We are not lacking in beliefs, you know, brothers and sisters. We're not lacking in beliefs. We are lacking in vision. A vision of what the Christian life can be when it is lived out of a heart that is fully, singularly devoted to Christ. I think it's A.W. Tozer who said this. This world has not seen what a man can do, what God can do with a man that is fully, singularly devoted to him. And it's true. A half-hearted Christian cannot please God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We need to learn to say with King David in Psalm 57, my heart is fixed, O Lord. My heart is fixed. Fix your heart on him. Then there is no more duplicity. There is no more double-mindedness. Then there is purity of heart singleness of heart. You know, every time we live life like that, nah, we keep one eye on God, one eye on the world, one eye on God, one eye on the world, one eye on God, the world, God, world, God, world. After a while, you cock eye, you know. <laughs> you lose total focus. We can't. Singleness of heart is what pleases God. And you shall see God. You know, this must be the highest blessings, huh? of all, you know, to be able to see God. How many of you agree? To have this awesome experience of being able to see God. Have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean to see God? Let me give you a perspective. What does it mean to actually see God? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The very idea of being able to see God has been the longing of many godly saints of old. Moses, for example, prayed in Exodus 33, verse 18. Moses prayed, now show me your glory. He wanted to see God. Show me your glory. David prayed in Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? What is that? It's a desire to see God. Right, to have that intimacy with him, to meet with God. He said again in Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there's no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary. He has seen God you know, and beheld your power and your glory. Wow, you think about that. The saints of old, they are longing, you know, for, to see God, that hunger, that desire to behold God. And I keep asking myself, why is there so little of the hunger of God in the modern church? Why is there so little hunger, you know, to actually see God, to encounter God that way? We have no lack of good programs, good production, good activities, and even results in the church today because there's so many growing churches. We have no lack of all these things, but there's such lacking a hunger for a greater intimacy with God. And I ask myself, why? You know, but we also know our God is so glorious, He's so transcendent, that no one can see God, literally, and survive. How many of you know that? If God really revealed Himself to you, we might just drop dead. You know, that's even the great patriarch, Moses, 
cannot see God in all of his essence. Uh, Exodus 33, verse 19 and 20, when, when Moses says, show me your glory, what did God say to him? The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But then he go on to say this, but you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. This is the awesomeness of our God. This is the transcendence of God. God is not like us. He is far above us. He's transcendent, you see. And therefore, what we need to do is fear Him because He's not like, he like man. He's transcendent. We need to restore, brothers and sisters, the honor that is due to God. And I think sometimes there can be such a flippant familiarity with God that we can, you know, we can waltz into a service 30 minutes late for worship for no reason other than just a habit of coming late. I don't think that is good. We will never do that to the Prime Minister of Australia, but we will do that to God. And it doesn't matter whether the service starts at 8.45 or 10 o'clock or even 11.30, people still come late. And the preacher is preaching his heart out and some of us zone out, we take out our phone and we start going to Instagram and Facebook. Don't we even have respect for the Word of God? Come on. Don't we even respect the fact that there is a real and living God right here meeting with us? And I think we need to listen to that. Now, please understand my heart, okay? Please understand me. I, as your pastor, I'm not angry or upset or offended. I'm just sad. You understand my heart? I say this not out of like, I'm fed up or anything. No, 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 no. I'm not offended even if you don't listen to me and you, you flip your phone, I'm okay. You know, because I do this not, not, not for anything except that God called me to it. But I'm just sad. Sad because I don't want you to miss out. There's so much more of God that you can touch if only our heart is single and intentional. You hear me? Hear my heart. I'm not upset or angry or anything like that. It takes a lot more to get me angry, but you know. <laughs> but the truth is this, I'm sad because I want the best for you. I want you to be able to touch the realm of God that we can all experience if we want to. All it takes is a little bit of intentionality. All it takes is a singleness of heart. That's all. Now, I understand there are many reasons why sometimes we know we don't do what we do. It's okay. But I want the best for you. That's all. Isaiah 66 verse 2, right? The prophet said, these are the ones I look on with favor. Who does God look on with favor? Those who are humble, contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word. Have that honor, respect, fear of God. And God will look on you with favor. I want you to experience the blessings and the favor of our God in all of his fullness. Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But if God in his essence cannot be seen, then we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean then? How do I see God? Here's the thing, when the heart is pure, 
the vision is clear. If the heart is pure, the vision is clear. Our eyes always see what our heart loves. And listen to me, if we are seeking after God, if your heart is single and you really long for God, you really want to see Him, then you know what? You will begin to see God everywhere and in everything. It's not just about coming to a church on Sunday and in the deep of worship in the Holy of Holies, you suddenly see God. It's not that. It's because your heart is so pure, you begin to be able to see God in everything and everywhere. Whether it's in the church, at home, in the marketplace, in the schools, you begin to see God at work everywhere. For example, once our hearts are pure and we're singular about wanting to pursue God, we will begin to see God in His creation, for example. Psalms 19 verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Have you ever noticed that the man who is walking closely with God will suddenly see like nature is very close to him? Why? It's because your eyes are now open to see God at work. It's always been there, but it just never occurred to us because we're not, our eyes are not open. But when you get close to God, suddenly you see God everywhere and in everything. Now you walk out into, in, into the nature and all of a sudden, the mountains remind you of the majesty of God, right? The expanse of the ocean is a reminder to you that God's love is unending. You see the rainbow. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, God is a covenantal God. You look at the stars and it speaks to you of His greatness, right? The, the beauty of the flowers and the plants, they speak to you of the generosity of God. Why would God put so much beauty in this world? It's because He's a generous God. When your hearts are pure, the whole of nature comes alive with God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If your hearts are pure, you see God in your circumstances. All of a sudden, Romans 8.28 is real to you because you have a singular heart to pursue after God. You know all things will work together for good for those who loved Him and are called according to His purpose. I can go through tough times. I can go through happy times. It doesn't change the fact my God is good. I see Him at work in my life. I believe that all of a sudden, the Christian with a pure heart that seeks after God, he goes through tough times. He doesn't make him bitter. It makes him better. Because he recognized the finger of God engineering the circumstances of his life and they will trust God no matter what because their heart is singular. Blessed are the pure in heart. We shall see God in nature, in circumstances. The pure in heart will see God in the unfolding of world events. All of a sudden, the newspaper is talking to me about what, who God is and what God is doing. All of a sudden, the, the, the history becomes his story. All of history is his story about how God is enthroning Jesus Christ in the hearts of every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth. And it will end on the day when he becomes king of kings and lord of lords. And every nation, tongues, people, and tribe will be represented before the king waving palm branches and saying, glory, 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 oh God Almighty. We suddenly see God in history. And then what's happening right now in the nations of the earth, in the Middle East, the pandemic and all of that, they are not random events. 
They are the finger of God, moving the nations of the world to prepare the way for the coming of our King. We see God now in everything, even in world events. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart, I tell you, they will see God in His Word. All of a sudden, I tell you, the Word of God becomes a living Word because you have a singular heart. You are longing after God. This Word becomes a life. Before that, it's a textbook. Now it's a living Word of God. You open up the Word and it will speak to you. And we don't come to the Word anymore just to find out how to do life better. You don't come to the Word now just to find out how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better businessman? How can I be a better this, better that? I tell you what, you don't come, of course, the Bible will speak to us about all these things. The Bible has a lot to instruct us about how to, how to live life because He's the author of life. Right? The Bible will tell you a lot about how to have a better marriage, how to raise your children properly. The Bible has plenty of these things, wisdom to share with us. But listen to me, brothers and sisters, we don't come to the Bible just as a book to learn how to live life. We come to the Bible to find out who God is. We come to the Bible to find out what does God say to me. Personally, that's what the Bible is for. It's not just for us to figure out how to live life better. This is not a self-help book. This is a book to bring a revelation of God to our hearts. And you know what? You know the God of life. You know the author of life. He will teach you how to live life, for sure. But don't put the cart before the horse. This is not a self-help book. This is the living word of God. And it reveals to us who our God is. You know God, you will know how to live life. I guarantee you that. See, if the pure, the pure in heart will know this. John 7, 17 says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God and find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. If you really come to the word of God to find out who God is and what God says and you obey it, you will find out if this teaching is true or not. See, we do not understand and then we obey. That is instruction. But we obey so that we can understand. That's illumination. It's a world of difference between the two. With our minds, we can grasp the facts in the Bible. It's with the heart that you embrace the truth. And then suddenly, it comes alive. You think about the Pharisees. They were experts in the law, man. But they did not know God at all. Experts in the law, but they don't know God at all. Why? Their hearts were not made pure. But you and I have a new heart now. And we can come to this book and let it speak to us. John 5 verse 39 and 40. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. That's true. They are the very scriptures that testify about me, Jesus said. But you refuse to come to me and have life, real life. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, and best of all, I tell you, we see God not just in circumstances and nature and the Word and, and, and things around us, but I tell you, the best is this. If you are pure in heart, we can look forward to seeing God face to face in eternity. That is the best. 
on this side of eternity, no one can see God and still live. We will only see God to the eyes of our heart. That's all we can do. May the eyes of our heart be enlightened to see God, right? We see God through His Word. That's what we are doing now. But the day will come. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And we all with unveiled faces, contemplating the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image from everlasting, ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The pure in heart, we now have our eyes unveiled. We are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ, into the likeness of Christ, from glory to glory. And we will come, the day will come when we finally will see Him face to face. And that's where we are hoping for. This is the hope of glory we all hold inside of our hearts. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, is a verse that goes like this, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see Him face to face. That's what I'm waiting for. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, Revelations 22 has this beautiful verse that we all should hold on to as our final destination. It says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face. I'm waiting for that day. I will see Him face to face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamb or the light of a sun, for the Lord God Himself will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. I am waiting for that day, my friends. The highest joy of man, I think, comes from cultivating the deepest part of man, which is the heart. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, this is the part that only God can see. Only God can see our heart. He knows whether our hearts are pure or our hearts are divided. And Jesus wants our heart to be pure so that we can see God. When the heart is pure, the vision will be clear. But nothing robs us more from this heart, pure heart, singleness of heart than sin. We mustn't let that come in. Nothing hides that vision of God from us more than sin. Then what do you do? Do what James chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 tells us. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Purify our hearts. Wash our hands. You know, and you take one step towards Him, He takes ten steps towards you. And we can walk out of this place knowing Blessed are the pure in heart, for we shall see God. Can I invite you to stand with me this morning? I'd like us to sing this beautiful song, Purify My Heart today. And we make that our prayer. Purify my heart so that I may see you. Thank you, Lord. I want you to put aside your notes in your Bible for just a little while and Take a few moments now just to allow God to speak to us.